0: Friends, of course I go by the name of the kid, famous, you and I are tuned in to the Tim and Friends show,
1: hello education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment, let's get this started, Uncle Tim let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. let let's go!
2: New one. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, Yeah, I liked it. Going with the flow. Throwing throwing a little curve on Friday. Got to. Mailing it in. Happy Friday, friends. Hope this is your home for the latest (laughs) sports news and analysis. They made us call it Tim and Friends so we wouldn't have to change the graphics Smart, smart. It's a new world out here, kids. No matter what the name, we got you covered, though, as game day starts right here. And if you're in Alberta, you got a little while here. So pace yourself with us. Game time for game two. 830 local in Alberta that's 1030 Eastern following the Rangers and Canes wonder if the late start means the Oilers will actually be ready to play what I'm not on the ice What? what no matter how long you have to wait until puck drop we are wishing Manoa like vibes to each and every one of you and if you don't have any idea what the hell I'm talking about I present to you Manoa vibes
0: I was actually walking, walking around today and I think three people like, yo, hey, Manoa, we love you. Uh, and it was pretty awesome. I yelled back, said, I love you too. <laughs> um,
2: my girlfriend was like, you don't even know that person. What do you mean? I'm like, I just love everybody in, in Canada. I just love everybody in Canada. You know what he is? He's a superstar. He's a man of the people. superstar. They are like Scotty Barnes vibes, but different. I know one kid that has the Manoa vibes. This is actually how I finish every show on Friday. Oh, oh, I can confirm that that's how you exit the studio every Friday. Uh, there's a lot of things going on here. Thanks to at BeerFarts on TikTok right. for this video. It makes more sense that, now. That's number one. Uh, number two, uh, does anyone know the lyrics to Big Puns, Still Not a Player? No. 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 He says, I'm not a player, I just crush a lot. And that's the radio version. So replace crush with another word, and that's what the kid's (laughs) dancing to. So it's a Happy Friday edition. As such, Jen Botterell will stop by for a bit. We should do a whole segment where we explain hip-hop lyrics to people who don't know what the hell is going on. I don't even want to tell you what they're doing in Memphis. Uh, All right, Botterill, she's going to break down the Battle of Alberta. Also joining the mix, Ryan Leslie and Gene Principate from Scotiabank, Saddledome, Mark Spector, and Eric Francis. I told you. We got you covered, kids. We'll explain hip-hop lyrics to you, and we'll get you all the hockey that you needed. And it's not just hockey, hey. Eh? Jay's opening a three-game set with the 11-26 Cincinnati Reds, who've actually been playing better baseball of late. They've won seven of their last ten after an ugly 3-22 <laughs> start to the season. Man, that start was ugly. How ugly was it? That start was so ugly, when it was little, it had to trick-or-treat by phone. <laughs> that start was so ugly, it made an onion cry. That start was so ugly, its birth certificate was an apology letter. <laughs> that start was so ugly, it didn't get hit with
3: the ugly stick. It got hit with the whole tree. <laughs> I don't really know
2: that star was so ugly, it looked out the window and got arrested for indecent exposure. <laughs> that star was so ugly.
3: They <laughs> love the lap track. That star was so ugly, it tried to join the ugly
2: contest. They said, sorry, no professionals. <laughs> It was an ugly start, so <laughs> you can expect James to handle business of a lost art and swelling for his best, your mama so ugly joke, <laughs> or if he accepts, or accepts, accepts, expects the same, uh, Sportsnet columnist will join us from the Dome a little later on. All that, plus the latest and greatest from the NBA Conference Finals in First Things First, and I hope we can call this a show because they actually pay me for this, as they do Jesse Rubinoff, who takes the reins for First Things First. How ugly was it, Jesse? <laughs> It was ugly. I don't have another one. I used all my jokes that I had and I'm
3: done. You had three. I had a three, a quota yeah. of three, and I can't. I like I can't the ugly stick one. one. You, you were a fan of that yeah, one? Yeah, a whole tree, yeah. It's you, you did have to go to like I, I went to a yo mama so ugly like website, basically.
2: Oh, you knew that we were gonna do this off the top of the show? Well, I had a And an you had inkling. planned I, stuff I had and an then inkling. you went to a website, wrote them down, and then read them live on air? <laughs> No, who does that? Oh, no, just
3: uh, you know, every talk show host, literally in the the entire world. Okay, here we go. Um, we're looking for a not so ugly round two of the Battle of Alberta that goes tonight in Calgary. You can see it on Sportsnet West and CBC at eight thirty local time, ten thirty Eastern time. Uh, what do you expect tonight after that crazy game one on Wednesday, Timmy? No idea. Do you have a clue what we're gonna get
2: tonight? No idea. None. Like, that's what Game 1 did to us, right? Yep. Done making predictions on the series. <laughs> you get 9-6 in Game 1. You're not really sure what you're going to get in Game 2. I think we can both agree, though, that Calgary dominated, right?
3: Yeah, and somehow it was a lot closer than it appeared, basically. You? Well, it was 6-6. Six, six. Yes, they, they, they dominated the whole way and the so Oilers somehow a, made it a game. Right. They somehow found a way to come back from 5-1, 6-2, even though Calgary dominated the game basically from the outset.
2: I mean, Calgary did dominate the games against Dallas, too. (laughs) Yeah. The goal (laughs) setting was a little bit different. It was a little bit different. So I think we got to look at what Edmonton needs to do different. Mm -hmm. And I think we also have to look at... How significant the injuries are on Edmonton. I yep. think Darnell Nurse is now added to the legitimate walking wounded, and he might be worse off than Leon Drysaddle. And if that's the case, this is going they are going to need a Sherpa to get out of this one-nothing hole, even though it's only one-nothing. But the one thing that we know for sure is they've got to get off to a better start. They cannot have this happen again. They saw it happen in two games against the Kings. They let them back into the series. They like If the Edmonton Oilers were ever to start with a bang, Mm -hmm. tonight would be the night for them to do it. After what they went through the entire year, what they went through in games four and five against the Kings, and then what they went through in game one of the series.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Oilers, is such a weird thing, right? Because during the regular season, they only scored first 42% of the time. But when they did, they were unbelievable. So you'd think that they know that. Like, they, they know their own stats. They know that if they score first, they're a really good hockey team. So it's very curious to me. It, it's the battle of Alberta. Like, how, how do you not start on time is a better question. And I saw a lot of people criticizing Jay Woodcroft. Good, the coach has to get It's the battle of Alberta. The players know what's on the line here. Well, they've right?
2: done it for the entire year under two different coaches. Right. Uh, listen, it doesn't, it's not just the regular season. They're 0-4 when allowing the first goal in the playoffs, and they're 4-0 when scoring the first goal in the playoffs. It is as simple as that. Like, it, they have to get off to a good start, and then they need the bounce back game from Mike Smith. No question. And, and how we've seen likely him do it. That? How likely is it? Basically, we've seen him do it. He's 2-1 after a loss in these post se- in this postseason. So we'll see if he can do it again. And one of them was an OT loss, right? Yeah. And I guess we get rid of the 2-0-1 in the postseason. Do overtime losses <laughs> count? In the postseason? A, it's a great question. You don't get a point for it. You them. don't get a
3: point, but how does it affect your record? That's a good question.
2: It's 2-1. I think you get rid of the OTL. That's just that You're done with OTL it? OTL doesn't yeah. mean anything See anymore. See later. It's a straight loss. Right. So, Edmonton's got to play, I believe, above their weight right now, a little physically. We'll ask Jen Baller. We'll, we'll break it all down. And can I ask you a question? Yeah. What's up? Um, we, we, were, we were fitting. We were fitting to give away this lovely Tim and Friends hoodie. Uh, I'm a friend, Hoodie, yep. on last game one of the Battle of Alberta. We, we asked with the hashtag predict yep. for the final score of the game. The final score of the game was 9-6. Did we have one 9-6 prediction? We didn't. And there were a couple
3: people that sent <laughs> in 9-6 once the game was over, trying to pull a fast one. Oh trying to pull
2: a pass Ruben rubinox too quick for this we one we caught it i got yeah. we got a
3: whole team of people yeah. just checking that so yeah uh, you were slick but it didn't work so we sent it out again and uh so we didn't I, give one away we did no. how could you well we <laughs> could have gone prices right closest without yeah, going no, over no, that's no fun that's no fun <laughs> so we figured let's do any it any eight fives out there there were it was actually no one was close i think probably the closest was six four maybe and and that was nowhere close so we're doing it again because no one came close the first time. And I have a feeling, are you, are you on my wavelength this time, that uh, scores might be a little bit higher <laughs> in the predictions.
2: Look, I'm, I, am, I am enthralled by this model of our uh, yeah. our wonderful hoodie. I'm a friend at Tim and Friends. So, hashtag TFPredict, give us the score of tonight's game, and I'm with you. I think we are going to see these predictions now run the absolute gamut. And then we're going to swing the other way, and it's going to be a 2 one game,
3: and no one's going to win again, and we're going to have to do game three.
2: Uh, so predict the score of tonight's game. Uh, you have to have the hashtag TFPredict on it for your chance to win. We'll find one who has the... Uh, correct score and if there's a bunch of people who have the correct score yeah. we'll put them all into a hat and we'll draw one name out. that's it. how we're going to do it love it let's get it trendy again too it's number one so let's
3: get it back there we have tons more coming up on the battle of alberta obviously uh, but it was a heartbreaking 2-1 loss for the panthers last night in game two against the lightning ross colton scored the game winner off a ridiculous pass yeah. from nikita kucherov with less than five seconds to go in the game tampa bay is now in four straight since trailing the leafs
2: 3-2 what has been the difference I mean I want to blame Florida in this one Mm -hmm. but Andre Vasilevsky was good again if you're asking me the difference and the no panic like Kucherov no look blind I know if you're watching the clock you know the possibility of that going the other way and into your own net are slim and none but to me like just. He knew Colton was there and normally guys I think Colton said after the game. I was just looking to not get scored on mm-hmm. and in the final minute and final 30 seconds when you're on the ice heading into an overtime frame tied a lot of guys poop the pants. And a lot of guys grip their stick a little tight, and a lot of guys don't do the things they normally do. I think the definition of clutch is when you're in those high leverage moments, you're the same person. And Nikita Kucherov was the same person. And there was absolutely positively no... Number one bull****. No, <laughs> he just got the feed to Colton in front, and Vasi was good again. And when he said... Number one bull****. He was talking about Andre Vasilevsky. Here are the numbers now. Yeah. Over his last four games, all them wins, he stopped 129 of 135 shots. That's, That's a 956 save percentage over his last four games, two of them elimination games against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it, it begs the question, like, if you're a Leaf fan watching this series unfold, Does Tampa's success alter your opinion on the Toronto Maple Leafs?
3: I don't think it can. I think every series is its own animal. Personally, that's how I look at it.
2: So then why were you saying at the time that they lost the defending two-time Stanley Cup champs? Because they performed really well against a really good team. Clearly, Tampa's really good. So if they won three in a row, that wouldn't change your opinion on how the Maple Leafs did this year?
3: If Tampa won three yeah. in a row?
2: No, I, I still think – I think the <laughs> – I think you're contradicting yourself. Why? Because you're saying it, they played really good against a good team. Yeah, they did. If that team lost in four to Florida, it wouldn't change your oh, opinion. Oh, they lost. If versus they lost. Tampa winning another cup or blowing Florida and their 100 and what? 22 uh, points hypothe- out of the water?
3: Hypothetically, if they lost to, to Florida three straight or whatever, four straight. Yeah, Yeah, three straight would be tough. Three straight would be tough because you you don't lose lose in a series that way. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, probably would have altered something. But at the end of the day, things happen over the course of a series that makes every series different. Like you're seeing now with Florida, they can't score on the power play at all. Like at all. And that is affecting this series a lot. They're 0 for 25 in the postseason on the power play. And this is a team that was the President's Trophy winner. So this this is uh, a series that they are clearly not playing well. So this series so, is on its
2: own. Is this proof that the NHL's postseason is nothing like its regular season? Because that was the question after last year's playoffs. Teams like the Edmonton Oilers, who did well in the regular season. Remember everyone was talking about how crappy this is a the question. Canadian division was yep. last year? Yep. The Toronto Maple Leafs had a great regular season, and then it changed. I showed you this before we started the postseason, and these are the 120-point teams since 1996, if this series stays the way it is right now, and that's with Tampa winning it, not one of the 120-plus-point teams since 1996 will have advanced past the second round. Like, is that a problem for the Toronto Maple Leafs? This This is the conversation that I wanted to have with you a couple days ago when I was asking you about the Leafs specifically Mm -hmm. and that is does their franchise record and wins and points mean anything to you is it progress because when you look at the board that we just looked at Mm -hmm. it just suggests to me that the NHL is so different in the regular season and the playoffs and that might damn a few teams including the Edmonton Oilers who let's face it the Kings are not the Calgary Flames that is actually a
3: fascinating stat. one thing I'll say about when that: When I first showed it to you, you didn't find it that fascinating. No, no, it is a fascinating <laughs> stat. But like we saw Tampa last night, like the the, the block shots, the sacrificing, bracket, right. which was insane. Like their Stamkos, the captain of the team, is diving in front of pucks, and all these guys are making their way to the tunnel and coming back, and that they're all so good. they're all hurt, right? And on the one hand, like you didn't necessarily see that from the Leafs clearly, but on the other hand, they lost by a goal in Game Seven. So that's why there is like some nuance to the conversation because sometimes your skill can overwhelm this style. But clearly, this team has something. They know what it takes to win in the postseason that some
2: teams clearly do not have. But they are the only team that's won the last two years. I mean, that's Stamkos that we saw repeatedly. It's unbelievable. Right? Like their best players doing whatever it takes. And the parade of dudes to that tunnel and then back out of that tunnel was mind blowing. Yeah. And that's I, I think that is the difference is having your best players do whatever it takes. And we saw that with Sidney Crosby repeatedly, right? Like you knew that every guy on that Pittsburgh Penguins team had to do that, save for Phil Kessel, because they saw Sidney Crosby doing it, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 yes, it is so interesting
3: because sometimes you watch the Leafs and you see you, you see Marner jumping in front of Pip pucks when he's on the penalty kill and you see flashes of of that type of play yeah, and that type of sacrifice. The difference between good
2: and great is consistency. But, and listen, I don't yes. think Marner is uh, as guilty as some other people yes. think yes. that he is. I don't think he's that guilty. William Nylander is guilty. You're not seeing you know, what you saw
3: in the first series with no. Nylander last night with the lighting. You're just not seeing You're it. You're just not seeing it, correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, the margins are slim. So when you, you do things like that, it it certainly helps you win.
2: That that's the, that's that may be the key. That might be I'm gonna give you oh, I appreciate that. The, the margins are slim and sometimes that ish is the difference. Stamkos, Can you imagine
3: playing on a team with stamper But that is like that would get me going. That'd inspire you. That would inspire you too. In- right? I know I, I know you. That inspires you too. I I do play. You play on the line game.
2: with Steve Stanton.
3: All, right. you know okay. yeah, all right, All right. we go to the NBA with Marcus Smart and Al Horford back in the line of the Celtics. Blew out the Heat 127-102 in Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals last night. The series is now tied at 1 heading back to Boston. Can Miami compete with a fully healthy Celtics team today?
2: Well, we got to get Miami to a fully healthy team, too. No, Kyle. You need to get Kyle Lowry back into the lineup to have that actual conversation because Marcus Smart, without a doubt, was the difference maker in that game, too. And here's, here's the truth of this. And I get really frustrated because people who watch basketball in this country listen way too much to the opinion makers. In the United States, and they're constantly talking about singular stars mm-hmm. in the postseason. Every one of those Skips, Stephen A's, they're always talking about one guy and how he needs to do blank, right? Mm-hmm. And what happened with the Boston Celtics was they made this run as a team playing ridiculous defense, and everyone attributed it to Jason Tatum and then Jalen Brown. And you took Marcus Smart out of the lineup, and you realized, Oh, dear God, maybe he meant a little more to all this. Maybe all these pieces together mean a little more. The sum of the parts actually mean something. And to me, it's jaw-dropping. Like, Miami's title came because LeBron James, the best player of this generation, figured out that he couldn't do it by himself. Right. So he went out and got two other guys. And Marcus Smart is allowed to be the difference maker, dare I say the Kyle Lowry, of the Boston Celtics because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have grown into being superstars. So that leaves a third wide open. And we saw it with Giannis trying to carry the Milwaukee Bucks without Chris Middleton. You always need help, and we way too often, especially in the game of basketball, especially listening to those opinion makers in the States, make it a one-man thing, and it's so frustrating to me. Just listen to the experts. Stop listening to those guys. They don't know what they're talking about, and I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I listen enough, I talk to enough people within the game to know that all those pieces make the Boston Celtics what they are and that Miami needs Kyle Lowry when you get to that level. And Bam bio, what's happened to Bam? Six he's points go- last night? He's got to be hurt. He, yeah, he, something's like he, going there's on. There's something going on, or the Raptors got the better center from Miami. Yeah, even Hero was bad last night, too. The Heat need more. We, we, we know why Hero's not shooting it, because now he's primary ball handler. is primary ball handler with Jimmy Butler. He's... Has to do a lot more a than just come guy. off the screen. Yeah, he's the second guy without Kyle, right? Right. So if Kyle comes back, I guarantee you Tyler Hero's going to shoot better. This is what I'm talking about when people make it about one dude. Like, there's like one or two that can be about one dude. It's a, it's Michael Jordan, totally. maybe, and LeBron James. But LeBron James proved over and over that he needs more than him. It's such a good point because, they, you know,
3: they're talking about Jason Tatum after game one. It's like They took the defensive player of the year out of the lineup. Like, what did we think was going to happen?
2: Right. What Jimmy we went think for 40.
3: Right. It's like, hello. It's obvious. He's a big part of that. Hello. Subject. Hello. Uh, okay, the Blue Jays opening a series McFly. tonight. McFly. Against... McFly, hello. Bayless. Uh, anybody home? Uh, opening a series tonight against the Cincinnati Reds, who have the worst record in the major leagues after being out with COVID since the beginning of May. Joey Votto was activated hey. today and will get a chance to play in his hometown for just the fourth time in his 16-year career
0: was just describing in the batting cage a couple seconds ago. This is the, I'm, I'm the most excited here. It's, um, it just gives me goosebumps. I lose sleep over it. I can't wait to, you know, I, I, I grew up 11 kilometers from here. Uh, and my father worked on an island across, across the, uh, across the lake. So I came down here and I looked up at Sky Dome Rogers Center almost every day coming down during the summer excuse me and um, like there's great meaning to me truly great meaning to me I mean between being a fan of the team to you know being raised in in this stadium in this team's backyard um, uh, I get very very excited coming into town.
3: There is uh, no question Joey Votto will go down as one of the greatest Canadian baseball players ever, but is he underappreciated in this country, To me,
2: Yeah, he is. Yeah, without a doubt. He, listen, and maybe it was because, you know, Larry Walker got an MVP, Mm -hmm. and then Justin Morneau got an MVP, and then Joey Votto got his MVP, and maybe the timing was a little bit different and we'd become accustomed to um, a star in Major League Baseball being Canadian, but this guy has been consistently unbelievable on the field for a long time. Maybe not this year. And hopefully he'll find his form and maybe he'll find it somewhere else uh, other than Cincinnati. It feels like uh, you might want to give him that Ray Bork treatment here and get him out of Cincinnati to save something. Because he was pretty good last year, right? Like Yeah, he was. He was pretty good last year. You just so, wonder if he has something left in the tank at this point. Yeah, at, at yeah. this point you would wonder that and you would wonder how many teams would... Give him the shot to find right. if he's got something left in the tank. But I will say, no matter what happens, I will miss Joey Votto because not only was he underappreciated on the field by this country, off the field, he has been underappreciated for years.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, this next record needs no introduction.
0: Big goal of mine is to do as few interviews as possible. You're asking if there's a black market for donkeys no no just the, but where, where do you get a donkey it's not that tough to get a donkey i mean make a few calls call my donkey dealer
5: someone in a donkey costume shows up unexpectedly with a vote Cozart sign it's joey Votto himself
0: donald <laughs> what do you think of your new name
6: speechless i don't know what joey Votto was just doing besides inciting the group on the first base side not making any friends over there <laughs> what is he doing
1: of just joey bottom stopping on a paper
4: airplane that came onto the field
7: oh, there's a youngster who's looking for a baseball and joey has it
2: has it and then decides not to toss it which it's probably not the way you're going to endear yourself to the children of the game. It doesn't matter what city you're from.
6: Right here in the front row in the diamond seats, 4 children right here. And he says, give me some luck. He gets knuckles from each of those guys, goes up to bat, hits the home run. Wow.
1: So great. Find
6: yeah, Six-year-old Joey Votto super fan Abigail couldn't have asked for a better weekend at the ballpark. Getting a signed ball from Votto, free tickets from the Reds, and then she got to meet her hero at the dugout.
0: This is the red surge, boys. The red surge. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing bigger or better in Canada than the red surge. Hey, Ozzy, what do you think about me getting a diamond, a diamond tooth? Oh my, OK, there we go. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to share that I've decided to join social media. For a while, I've seen it from a distance, but I've been in too intimidated to join.
8: When you come back to Toronto, are there any particular sites or parts of the city that you look forward to uh, seeing or connecting
0: with? Sites-wise, like the center of the baseball and parts of the city that's somewhere around windows, maybe the second deck, we'll see somewhere, somewhere. We're around there. I have very, very clear memories of watching the Blue Jays. First of all, you know that the Apple Auto Glass jingle is still in in the head in my head to this day. You know, Apple Auto Glass.
2: (laughs) Uh, He's homeward in his last two games in Toronto, although there is no Windows restaurant anymore. (laughs) Rest in peace, Windows. Still, the Tom Martin swelling from the dome ahead of the Jays and the Reds' visits to Calgary with Ryan Leslie. Gene Principe, Eric Francis, and Mark Spector, plus Jennifer Botterill, Jennifer ahead of game two of the Battle of Alberta. That's why I always say Jen Botterill. After the break, Colby Armstrong sits down with Kane's head coach Rod Rindemore. Seem like two different personalities, <laughs> don't they? Tim and friends, a it's a man. Friday and a long weekend, May 2-4, you know what I'm talking about.
9: What a crazy first game I don't think anyone could have predicted. It's going to be an interesting to see what the bounce back looks like on a Friday night when they go back at it again.
10: Take the win, move on.
9: Kucherov,
6: scores! takes him a second left, puts it under the board in.
5: All right, Rod, your nickname's Rod the Bod. Are you in
1: better shape than some of your players? These guys are great athletes. I'm on the executive plan on the workouts. You know, that's that's a whole nother level lower.
10: Oh
3: We oh, We
10: Won the Stanley
9: Cup for the Los Angeles Kings!
4: Rogers presents Stanley Cup moments. Martinez to Clifford,
9: feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. save, Rebo! Score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings! And royalty reigns again in the NHL! The Los Angeles Kings have won the 2014 Stanley Cup.
4: You could experience moments like this live. Enter for your chance to win a VIP trip to the 2022 Stanley Cup final. Enter now at rogerscom Stanley Cup.
2: More Stanley Cup moments will be made tonight. Two more games on tap. There it is. See yeah. that? Game two of the Battle of Alberta goes tonight. Sportsnet West and CBC. Hockey Central gets you going. 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain on Sportsnet West. But before that it is game two from Carolina as the Canes host the Rangers. That's on Sportsnet East, Ontario and Pacific. 8 p.m. Eastern. Got it good and since you understood. The Canes took game one 2-1 one in overtime after trailing most of the way. Rod Brindamore in his fourth season as the Canes head coach having made the playoffs in each and every year, including a conference finals trip, thinks that this team could be better than the rest. Let's see what our own Colby Armstrong got out of the uh, rather serious Brindamore earlier this season when they sat down. Good luck, Colby.
5: All right, Rod, your nickname's Rod the Bod.
1: <laughs> Do guys still call you that? Like, no, never. They're not calling me that. Um, but they call me Rod, they don't call me Coach. You know, as a player, everyone used to call you a Coach because they didn't know your name. Right? You know, I hate coaching, you know, so I make sure that they call me Rod, just, uh, you know. And I like thinking I'm still a player, even though I, I certainly know I'm not get started calling coach, you just, it feels like you're so yeah. much older. And I know I'm old, <laughs> but I just, I want to, want to hang on as long as I can. When you were at
5: Michigan State, true or false, your coaches locked you out of the gym because you were pounding the weight so hard.
1: Well, there's some truth to that. What I've come to realize now is they didn't want to be there on their off days. Coaches need a break too, but as a, as a young kid trying to get to the next level, it was like, no days off, right? So they just, and they had to be there, so I, I get it now, um, but they did kind of deepest away. Are you in better shape than some of your players? No, but here's the thing, I'm, I'm hanging on, I'm getting older and I, I try to stay in shape just because and there's some things I try to do with the testing that we do. If I can still do it, there's no excuse that these guys, but these guys are great athletes. And I'm on the executive plan on the workouts, you know, that's that's a whole nother level lower than yeah. these guys. I'm on the sauna
5: too. I'm just sauna <laughs> and a coke, you know. Gracie's grind, We know what's happening here. In there, in there.
1: in are over shit that side. It's for awesome. nothing. Okay. Where is he? Where is he? Right here. Let's go. Your
5: pre and post game speeches. I think your team does a great job capturing stuff, right? We get to see you in some of those raw team moments that are like, pretty
1: authentic. Do you practice that? No, I, I don't practice it, but I, I do try to prepare. Like I don't ever just want to go in front of my team and just talk like I think there has to be you know purpose otherwise it goes in in one ear out the other um after games are a little tougher I'm not a big fan of that I don't like having the cameras in there but I do get it right we're in the entertainment business and people want access to that I think it's great that we can allow fans in to see kind of how it works and um that's part of your job
5: and you know you played too and is there any coaches through your career that influenced you or
1: yeah every coach that you you know you 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 had them bunch of coaches and some were better than others but you learn from i think just as much from the ones that maybe weren't so good as how not to do stuff right like it's okay well that's not gonna work right so i think you take a little bit from everyone and then at the end of the day you gotta be you gotta be you and just kind of go with it yeah who's like your best
5: coach for like those motivating moments or had that you know herb brooks speech
1: remember and some of your moments of playing each coach was a little different and you know you would say that if I said who was your favorite coach, it would be the guy that probably played you the most. Yeah. yeah. Right? Or gave right. you chance, right? I me yeah. that opportunity. Yeah. You might not have been the best coach. He might have been terrible, but he he put cool. You know, me. he put you on yeah. the ice. You're like, that's the best coach. Right? <laughs> yeah. So for me, you know, as a player, they were all good. You know, Peter Lavellette like, gave me the best opportunity. No question. He's like, here you go, your team, you're gonna play twenty four minutes a night. It's up to you. You know what I mean? How do you Best coach, right? Yeah. Like, and, <laughs> yeah. and you win with that. Or you know, you win. Of course, that's gonna help. But all the way along the way, my first coach was Brian Sutter. and you want to talk about? I thought this is how it was in the NHL. Like, every, mm-hmm. like yeah. you don't smile. You know, like it, it, you're serious. Then I'm like, oh man, this, you know. But then you realize, it, I mean, it's not like that everywhere. But that got you dialed in, right? There's no off days. There's just let's go. And that's great for a young kid. That's how you start. I think that was huge. So, of Got both ends of the spectrum and everyone in between, so again, a lot of great influences over time.
5: Memory I had Brent Sutter and Jr., so well, that got they're me all the man. same, yeah? they're all the same, man. That yeah. got me ready to go to the American League, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, what was your biggest adjustment as a player and then being a coach? I think the
1: biggest thing I thought as a player, guys that played can relate to this, is they're like, How hard is it to coach? Like, like you're on the bench, just put the guys out, the good players, (laughs) get them out there, get a good flow, come on, I don't need more ice time, whatever, and then you realize, oh man, there's way more to it, right, when you get back there, it's like, holy moly, you're worrying about matchups, you're worrying about this, that, there's a ton of things. Coach, the good thing was I I was on the bench for seven years, watching all these good head coaches come through and and learning, right, so I kind of got this apprenticeship and going, okay, I'm looking all wow, there's a lot of preparation practice has got to be good. You got got to be two or three days ahead. You know, your pre-scouts on the other team. You don't just show up, right? Like it's, you're way ahead of it on everything. And that's what makes a good coach. So I think I was fortunate to kind of learn on the job, so to speak.
5: I saw this year, you're unloading bags off the team plane. (laughs) Like Rod the Bod does everything. No, listen,
1: you you would do it too. (laughs) The reason was, you know, got one of those, one guy working the back, he's doing the equipment. We want to get out of here. Let's go. It's so I just have you stand there. I'm like, you would have done the same thing. Like, You're high energy. We're, we're not wasting time. You know?
2: Yeah. So that, of course, got blown up. That's awesome. He got a lot more out of Rod the Bod than I thought he was going to get. Than you yeah. uh thought. Is there, like, he, he was very kind to his own players. Mm-hmm. But are there players in the league? Like, could we make a list of players in the league that are in worse shape than Rod Brindamore? <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Not well, doing we that. all know one, right? Yeah, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Who is it? I don't know why you won't say Phil Castle. What's the matter with me? <laughs> yeah, there
3: it is. Um, yeah, well, people can send in who they think, I guess, is in worship. No, the, no in. they
2: can't. Uh, well, I I am, I'm looking right now at the trends in can- You can send them in at Tim and Friends, but we're not going to see a lot of them. Uh, hashtag TF is the number three trend in Canada. Of course, Harry's House is number one. Harry Styles. I mean, that makes fan? sense. fan, yeah. yeah? Well, no. released but a new it album. Now, a lot of people are fans of yeah. Harry Styles, and he's released a new album, uh, hashtag Long Weekend. Uh, because it's Victoria Day and uh, hashtag TF predict ahead of Flames for goal. We're getting some, we're running the gamut this time. Aren't we? Yeah, but we
3: are uh, in tough, I would think, against uh, Harry Styles. So we're going to have to pump up these rookie numbers that we're at right now. Number three, let's get the numbers up and get uh, some scores in here. So Troy says uh, Oilers win 5-4, hashtag TF predict. Uh, Selig says 6-4 Calgary. Jared 7-2 Oilers. So you get oh. the picture. Timmy, that it's going to be uh, higher scores coming in. Daniel says 15 2 Edmonton. Markstrom does not record a save. <laughs> Only problem <laughs> yeah. is that uh, no TF, hashtag TF predict on that oh, answer. Oh, yeah, so, you got to put uh, Disqualify. Hashtag TF Send it back.
2: After the break, we head down to the dome as the Jays get set to host the Reds for a weekend series. Arden Zwelling will join us to help us tee it up as Vladdy and company try to put together a run against one of the worst in the major leagues. Tim and friends, game day starts here. Tim and Friends Plenty from the Saddle Dome coming up with the Jays opening a series with the Reds at the Rogers Centre tonight. You can see it on Sportsnet 1 starting with Blue Jays Central at 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. Luis Castillo facing Jin Ryu in the pitching matchup. The Reds started the season a horrific 3-22 and 22, but maybe some bad luck for the Jays. Reds enter the series having won 7 of their last 10 still worst record in baseball at 11 and 26 with below average offensive numbers MLB worst staff ERA and whip totals. Reds also placed four players on the restricted list for the series including former Jay Brandon Drury who's had a pretty good start to the season. Here's the Jays lineup that will hope to feast on that Reds pitching tonight George Springer will lead off and DH Bichette Guerrero 3 two three four Santiago Espinal hits fifth Ramiel Tapia in left Danny Jansen catches and Bradley Zimmer will replace Springer in center field and bat ninth. All right, let's bring in Arden Zwelling from the Rogers Center and I hear it is country weekend mm. at the Rogers Center Arden Zwelling. Do you have one of those hats that they are giving out? for Country Weekend at the Rogers Center?
7: I don't, I wouldn't mind getting my hands on one because they look pretty snazzy. I usually, on the bobblehead days, I get like crazy requests from everybody, get me a bobblehead, get me a bobblehead. <laughs> I haven't heard too many requests for the hats, but no. uh, I'll take one for myself,
2: nothing I, wrong with it. I don't see it as a country guy, are you a country guy? I like guy? all
7: music. I, I don't have strong pop culture opinions. I mean, whatever <laughs> everybody wants to listen to, like, I'm good to go with the flow. I like variety, so we don't usually hear this kind of music around here. I'm not. I'm probably not quite as excited as Jesse Rubinoff you is know, right Jesse's now. Jesse's yeah, I, I don't mind it. I'm ready. I, I'll
3: take a hat if you happen to get your hands on one, okay? You can, Oh well, yeah. We'll meet out. Here up and, it comes. Yeah. Here
0: oh, yeah. are the requests. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. You got yeah, a favorite country song? Your inbox is empty.
3: Your inbox
2: is empty. What's your favorite country song, Arden Zwelling and Jesse Rubinoff? Of all Something time? by Johnny Cash, I'm going to oh say. God, that's a good answer. Anytime you go Johnny Cash, you're safe. Brooks and Dunn, no maybe?
7: Idea. I'm just Where, naming like country artists cool. I've heard of before. Of all time?
3: time. <laughs> Ring of Fire? I don't know. I'm, ki- I'm kidding about that. I just can't think of it on the top of my head. I, th- I thought you were a big country guy. I am a big country guy, but there's a million well, different country well, songs. Well, thank God
2: I'm a country boy. Because I go. can take That's care good. of you, Jesse Rubinoff. Starting rotation, Arden has been good, better than Jesse Rubinoff, thinking about his favorite country song That's on the spot. That's hard, man. Tonight, Shinjin Ryu starting. Did you see enough in his first start to think that he can be a real contributor, not an ace, I'm not asking him to be an ace, right. but if he's a contributor to this rotation.
7: Yeah, it's not 2020 anymore. He doesn't have to carry the rotation anymore. He just has to be a, a four or a five in this rotation. Obviously, it's Gosman, Brios and Manoa ahead of him, and Kikuchi looking really good in his last few starts. So I'd be interested to see how Ryu carries over what he showed his last time out because he don't want to overreact to one start and just two trips through the lineup. But the velo was there. It was a 90 mile an hour fastball and the changeup command was there. We always talk about the velo with Hunjin Ryu and it's very important that he's getting that cutter in on righties and that fastball is, you know, quote unquote firm at 90-91. But to me, it's spotting that changeup down and on the corners. It's such an important pitch for him. So I'll really be looking for that, how he's landing that changeup, how it looks coming out of his hand. But I think that, you know, if he is able to carry over what he did his last time out, I think Blue Jays will be very encouraged that is the guy who is number four, maybe probably number five in their rotation.
2: If he's looking any good, is there a chance that he
7: gets to the third time in the order or is there a pitch limit on him? That might be a little dicey, the, the Blue <laughs> Jays have it. They didn't, they didn't trust him two times through his last time out. It would be interesting to see if he was, put it this way, if he's super efficient with his pitches, and if you know he's starting his third trip through deep into the game and he's only thrown you know 60, 75, maybe you'd see it. But I think right now, Hunjin Ryu is probably just a two trips through kind of guy. We saw it with Ross Stripling as well, right? Like Ross Stripling was pitching really well when he was filling in for Hunjin Ryu in the rotation, but the Blue Jays did not let him see third trip through, so I think the Ryu falls into that category right now as well.
2: We just saw a picture of Joey Votto uh, on the screen. Is he underrated by Canadian baseball fans? I feel like among the greatest players that this country has ever produced, but I don't know if he gets the same sort of love that others have gotten.
7: Yeah, if you're a hardcore Canadian baseball fan and right. you don't appreciate Joey Votto, I don't you have a very big blind spot at that <laughs> point because we're talking about probably you know, a top three Canadian baseball player, right? It's yeah. Ferguson Jenkins, it's Larry Walker, and it's Joey Votto. So maybe among like the casual, common baseball fan in Canada, maybe he's a little bit underrated. He's played in Cincinnati his whole career, hasn't been on super competitive teams, you know, he hasn't had huge playoff moments Um, but I mean we are talking about one of the best baseball players this country has ever produced so uh, you know I think among like diehard hardcore Canadian baseball fans absolutely you appreciate the future Hall of Famer Joey Votto
2: the the numbers this year for him a little bit ugly in in talking to folks around the yard does it feel like he might be able to I mean he was pretty good last year do you think that there might be a chance that he can reclaim some of what he had last year
7: I do. I mean, last year he was really good, right? So he's probably not going to be quite that good. It might be the guy that we saw in 19 and 20 when he was just merely good. Um, We'll see. He's, He's obviously getting late into his career and the fastballs aren't getting any softer and breaking stuff isn't getting any less nasty. And his bat speed is only going in one direction at this point, right? So it'll be interesting to see, you know, he's had this time off now while he's on the COVID IL. He was able to reset and to, you know, just recalibrate and refresh and get away from the grind of the game for a while. So that'll probably do him some some good. Look, open roof here at Rogers Center. I can feel the wind blowing on me right now. That might do him some good as well, being back in his old stomping grounds. So I think we all want to see him be good. We all want to see that Joey Votto that you know he's built his career on. And, and hopefully that is what we see going forward. Maybe just not against the Jays
2: for Jays fans. All right, we're running out of time here. So let's, uh, let's wrap the updates all in one. Jordan Romano, Nate Pearson, and I don't know if you got anything on Gabby Moreno, but there are a couple of hardcores talking about him leaving the game uh, <laughs> last night.
7: Yeah, so Romano should be available today. The Blue Jays were going to check him out one last time before the game, but he is itching to get back into it after uh, you know dealing with like gastrointestinal infections So I wouldn't be surprised if he was available. Nate Pearson threw an inning and a third of a simulated game in Dunedin uh, this week. The blue jays will see how he feels coming out of that but i think a rehab outing is coming up pretty soon likely with triple a buffalo tim Mesa should be starting a throwing program next week i don't even think you asked about him but i'll just throw it in, anyway. it in there, yeah, his mri it. came back clean he should start a throwing program uh next week and hopefully start building back up to get off the il where he is right now and yes gabriel moreno was hit on the left elbow by a pitch on thursday came out of the game but images came back negative he'll probably be out of action for a night or two but he isn't expected to miss uh too much time so that's a pretty good bullet dodged for the blue jays top prospect
2: i know uh 51 seconds is not near enough but there's no chance that the jays are getting juan soto right
7: I would be very surprised. I don't think anybody's getting Juan Juan Soto in a trade this year. I don't know how you return value for Juan Soto. He's the best player in the game, and he's 23 years old. You have the best player in the game on your team. How about you pay him and build a really good roster around him? If you're trading Juan Soto, what are you looking to get in return? Somebody like Juan Soto. You have Juan Soto. You're never going to return value on that. So you might as well build around one of the best hitters on the planet. Because he said no to 350 million dollars. That's that's what
2: Washington's thinking. Arden, Try
7: 351, 352, 353. He's worth. It. Who like else the, is worth? It's it. like the He's price the is right, and someone
2: just bid a dollar. Just keep going one up. Uh, thanks, Arden. Appreciate you. Enjoy country weekend, my friend. Be well, guys. All right, there is Arden's dwelling at the Rogers Center. Other side, we shift focus from baseball to hockey. That's right, kids. Battle of Alberta tonight, Ryan Leslie, Gene Principe, standing by from the rink, plus Jennifer Botterill with her insight ahead of Game 2. Tim and Friends on a Friday, kids, buckle in, it's going to be a great weekend.
0: And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and
2: friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdogs back here. Hour number two, Tim and Friends, full hour everywhere, which includes Mark Spector, Eric Francis, Jennifer Botterill, Ryan Leslie, and Gene Principe on the Battle of Alberta. Plus, my guy Jesse Rubinoff. Thank golf. It is Friday on its way. Long weekend. He's ready to go more than Tiger. But game two of the Battle of Alberta It's, of course, where we begin. We'll see what we get for an encore after the 9-6 thriller in game number one. Later start tonight, 10.30 Eastern, 8.30 local. Hockey Central getting you set a half an hour before on Sportsnet West. So let's head to the rink right now and get the latest from Ryan Leslie at the Saddledome. Ryan, what's going on?
6: Timothy, it's great to be with all of you uh, once again as we get you set for game number two here. All of the focus ahead of this one was all about, uh, you know, focusing on. Uh making it look a lot different than we saw in game one. Now, 15 goals was nice but that's not the way either team wants to play. They want to rein it in a little bit but don't be surprised if we see this thing turn into a bit of a track meet. I'm not sure that the Calgary Flames want to do that but you know the Edmonton Oilers want to kind of dial things right back up again. This place will be nuts in just a matter of hours. You mentioned the late start so everybody gets a little extra nap. Uh, this morning Daryl Sutter was uh, asked about Brady Kachuk and how he's supporting Matthew, and was that the sort of thing and the sort of support that all the Sutter brothers would give one another when the other brothers were still in the postseason? It was quite a comical response. You or any of your
9: brothers go and support one another when they were going for cups? I don't think we traveled to do it, but we certainly supported them. That would be, there was a lot of us, and so we were certainly supportive of our brothers, and that's, that's what
3: Brady's doing.
4: So when Dwayne was winning cups on the island, what were you doing? Dwayne and
3: Brent. And Brent, yeah. yeah.
4: Where were you at? Were
3: you at the farm? Uh, we were always, if you were, out, you were out, you were home this weekend to help dad put the crop in. Way long. Everybody always asked what you say to your brother when you shook his hand? Who's getting on the tractor on Tuesday?
10: <laughs>
6: holding court Daryl Sutter was this morning and of course who could blame him I mean Brady Kachuk's become like the uh, secret weapon for the Flames. shirts off kids on his shoulders a couple of beers in the back pocket uh, one in hand it was the natural hat trick but there was some <laughs> interesting uh, game within the game as well uh, this morning we heard of Vander Kane kind of teeing up he was asked about Milan Lucic two Vancouver guys who uh, played junior together briefly yeah. and uh, obviously a little disdain for one another and you saw them get after it a little bit in game one and uh, Evander Kane was asked just about the presence of Milan Lucic.
4: I don't know if there's much of a battle there. I think, um, you know, we, uh, we, uh, we welcome him being on the ice whatever he is.
6: Uh, Tim, I'm not sure Ooh. I want to poke that bear, but <laughs> no. then again, I'm not Evander Kane, <laughs> thankfully.
2: Yeah, without a doubt, the best part of all that is that Sutter's not joking, right? <laughs> there's there's no no it, yeah everyone's laughing but he's not joking so that's one side of the story from our friend Ryan Leslie let's get to the other side of the story our friend gene Principe joining us from the other side of the, we got to split them apart because last time they were on together it yeah. ended with a pose where they were they were clinching fists and looking down at each <laughs> other so <laughs> let's get the Gino here
8: <laughs> hey Tim uh thanks very much and just to build off what uh, what Ryan said about Evander Kane I I'm not sure that uh, Milan Lucic needs any motivation, but uh, that was interesting what Kane said. One of the other things that Evander Kane said today—it's—it's it's very obvious—but he said, "Hey, if we don't allow nine goals, I think we got a great chance of winning tonight. <laughs> and if the Oilers are going to score as many goals as they did last time, chances are the offense will uh, run around Connor McDavid. Do you know when you give up nine goals, it's hard to talk about success offensively. McDavid with a goal and three assists, but you know what, Milan Lucic, who Leslie was talking about, gave them a big hit they used to be line mates and uh, somewhat friends but certainly not in this series and so the other hand uh, Connor McDavid led the Oilers in hits so I don't know if that's good news bad news or just news and so today Jay Woodcroft was asked they're already getting ready for goals here uh, by Mark Spector (laughs) from sportsnet.ca what he thinks of McDavid and uh, the way that the Flames have handled and will try and handle the top score.
4: Calgary in game one wasn't afraid to uh, put a glove in McDavid's face. Luke, he rocked him pretty good. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as a coach, what's... Carter up- handled it pretty good. He eh? didn't he lead our team in, in finished checks. Uh, would you,
4: you know, how would you like your team to react And he had to four point? points
1: that night. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry?
4: How would you like your team to react when the other team's leaning on?
1: How would I like our team to react? I want our team to play hard. I want us to find a way to win a game spec. That's where our focus is.
8: Well, and uh, Leslie's been giving me this. There he is. See? That's oh, why right. I got the tin foil going. You, you <laughs> want go right? to hands. <laughs> I got the tin foil ready for this guy.
10: I mean, That's I heard awesome. he cuts easily. So I, I,
8: come here, big lug. Get over here. Get over here. We're having some fun here. That's uh, we awesome. We got our teams, but we're this. good buddies, right? Look at this. Yeah. At so, this. anyways, we're trying to have some fun. Uh, we know who each other's pulling for, but we're pulling for great hockey between these two Alberta teams.
6: Scott Oak.
2: Yeah, back to you. <laughs> uh, Gino, someone's got to give you lessons on how to do the foil on the hands because that's ridiculous. You're wearing yeah. them like mittens. It looks like fan would <laughs> <of> putts <laughs> since grade five. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you, boys. Appreciate you. As always, there is Ryan Leslie and Gene Principe in Calgary covering this series. <laughs> From front to back. (laughs) All right. Here's the schedule once again for tonight. Rangers and Canes. Game 2 comes your way. 8 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet East Ontario and Pacific. Hockey Central. 10 p.m. Eastern. 8 p.m. Mountain on Sportsnet West. And then Game 2 again. Note the start time. That's 8.30 local. 10.30 Eastern. Sportsnet West. And if you want, you can also find it on CBC the finalists for the king clancy award were announced today darnell nurse ryan getzlaff and pk suban nominees for the award given to the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution in his community good guys on and off the ice the winner will be announced later in the playoffs fresh off getting bounced in seven rick bonus is stepping down as stars head coach starts confirming through uh, excuse me it was confirmed through friend of the show stars confirming friend of the show Kevin Weeks report earlier today that's what I was trying to say it took me a long time I don't even know if I got there bonus coach the most games in NHL history with over 2,500 regular season games to his name all right I won't screw this up joining us now to help us break down uh, what we've seen from Ryan Leslie Gene Principe and game one heading into game two of the Battle of Alberta is Jen Botterill who joins me now Jen welcome back to the show thanks for doing this
11: oh thank you nice to see you guys if I'd known I was following Gene I need more props or something <laughs> nice to
2: see you. yeah just bringing yourself is good enough for us listen I I wondered if in game one the Oilers thought, like, listen, the Flames are really good defensively. Maybe we should open this up and then got a little bit more than they could chew. Like, what do you think the ideal game is for the Edmonton Oilers? Because it seems like Calgary can win it any way you want
11: you still got to think that Edmonton wants to try to create that time and space and and play a more free-flowing end-to-end game. I mean, that's got to be what they want want to do. But, I mean, Calgary did demonstrate they could respond to that. I mean, not what we expected by any means from game one. But if you look at how Calgary responded, I mean, their top line... Goudreau and and he's okay with having more time and space and and free flying. I mean, he did. He could see the ice really well. He had some great chances, but you look at some of the guys, where it was Coleman stepping up and playing well. I mean, the thing with Calgary is that they had to be resilient in their first series. And if you think about that exceptional overtime against Dallas uh, in game seven, they had to get a ton of shots on net. So in that sense, they were ready to respond to to this style of game. I mean, I don't think we expect it to continue quite on this trend that it was for game one, but I feel like if you're Edmonton, you feel like McDavid, he's had the physicality, he had to deal with. He was dishing out hits, but he has to be ready to receive them from Calgary as well, but you've got to think that Edmonton still wants to play more of the high-speed, open open ice game.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. There is the questions, and you just heard him uh, to Jay Woodcroft earlier today about the physicality and obviously this is a game plan for Calgary does Edmonton have to match that I mean the Oilers had nine skaters who didn't have a hit in game one of the series Johnny Gaudreau Elias Lindholm Andrew Mangiapani, Tyler Toffoli and Michael Backlund did not get hit once while Connor McDavid obviously was a target is that something you think will change in game two?
11: You'd think so. And if you look at the Calgary roster, I mean, if he's even going into the start of this series, the Battle of Alberta, you know that Goudreau is a player that likes to find those seams and and to deliver the puck in in those sort of tight areas and so if you're Edmonton you want to take a that away from the guys and one way is to to play physically it doesn't have to be a massive open ice hit but if you're angling and taking the body out in all zones that's going to prevent some of those guys from getting the time and space that they want to so you'd think that both teams need to tighten up defensively but there were phases I mean obviously there was ups and downs in that wild game one, but there was certainly these long segments where Calgary did dominate and even down low in the, the Calgary offensive zone, Edmonton wasn't sharp defensively. They were letting, you know, low two on ones happen odd man sort of advantages low towards their net. So if you're thinking, yeah, tighter defensively and one element to create that is to be stronger physically and to try to take away some of that time and space from Calgary's talented players.
2: All right, so one of the storylines heading into this game, obviously, is the health of Leon Drysettle and even Darnell Nurse. Now, it seems pretty obvious that both are less than 100%. Uh, one, do you agree? Two, what does that mean to the Oilers, and how do you make up for it?
11: Well, I, I would agree, and-, and certainly even the guys like Chris and Craig who are watching warmups at the rink, they were saying, right, that Drysaddle's taking it very easy in warm-up. But there is one thing I mean if if you think about these guys and and what they're going to try to accomplish in the playoffs despite dealing with injuries to what degree we don't know everybody's going to be tight lipped during the playoffs but they're going to try to perform whether it's nurse battling in front but I think that was the big question mark with dry can he contribute offensively. And there was times you sort of wondered, oh, is he setting up? Is he ability? Is can he transfer his weight the way that he wants to deliver his shots? But he did get a beautiful goal in game one. And it's sort of a sign of encouragement that he's still capable of strong offensive plays. I think the question remains if he can play that solid two-way game and be strong enough defensively um, as the Oilers might need him to be in this series.
2: Right now, it's amazing to think that the Flames missed the playoffs last year. I mean, the way they're playing, they look as good as any uh, through eight games of the postseason. And I know the the local media has a lot of fun with the Jolly Rancher, and we saw him starring again today. But how much credit does Daryl Sutter deserve for the way that the team has turned things around from where they were at this time last year, watching, to where they are now?
11: And, and you sort of wonder what his strategy is in terms of how he's communicating with players, what he's sharing externally with the media. But he's a guy that has experience and has success. And he's found a way for this group of players to collectively buy in. And if you look at how tight it was in, in round one and how they they came out you know, firing certainly at the start of, of this series. Um, but I feel like for them it's it's collectively. And he's got confidence in this group. You look at he's he's played that fourth, even their fourth line, whether it was in key moments late in game seven or in overtime. And, and I think those little subtleties and how he handles the team can bring a lot of confidence to the group. And you look at guys that are having career bests, and I mean Kachuk, right, with the the, the hat trick and, and how that top line was one of the best in the league all year and has continued to be so strong in the playoffs. So if you look at, at how they've responded, credit to Sutter. I mean, he's always a bit of a character and you never know what's going to be said next. Uh, But you also wonder, as this series evolves, how those comments will continue, whether it's back and forth and if he's trying to to intimidate the Oilers and and Jay Woodcroft in some capacity. But in one sense, he's found a way for these guys to buy in. You look even the plus-minus. It's not a stat everybody loves anymore. But that top line in Calgary, I mean, it was plus-64 after the regular season. So you talk about finding a way to balance amazing offensive talent and strong defensive play that's what they've shown they can do
2: all right let's hammer in on that amazing offensive talent because I know what I'm saying here for the best player on planet earth but are we seeing a different level from Connor McDavid right now Uh,
11: yes I absolutely (laughs) right I mean I think everybody thinks oh he's the best player but then he's found another level to perform and if you look at whether it was game six and seven in the last series and just this level of determination and he just says, you know what guys let's go like we're we're getting to the next round and if you think about even how he played in game one i mean offensively four points in game one i think this factor too is the physicality that might be a question on how much he's going to continue to be a target on you know certainly he's, you know category kind of, two to try to slow him down how much you can do so remains sort of the the question mark but it I mean, look, you watch some of these clips. I mean, it is so special. And just when you think he's at the peak, he finds another level to to get to. So exceptional, uh, entertaining, and so great for the game.
2: Leads the NHL in playoff scoring 18 points uh, in eight games. He's got six more than anyone else. Now has 12 points in his last four games. He also led the team in hits in game one, hits in game seven against the Kings, and he played over 25 minutes in game one. Like, it's... And I I say this way too much. I say this to Jesse. Jaw dropping. It it is jaw dropping. Like I, if you're the best player in the world and you're already at this level, to be able to go to another one, like especially with Leon Drysaddle at less than 100%, like that to me is almost unfathomable.
11: It is. But I think you've seen this this in Connor McDavid that he wants to succeed he's not satisfied with being the best player uh, in the world and and for him this is a chance for him to demonstrate how he can elevate his team and perhaps it is these these injuries that his teammates are dealing with that he realizes there may be even more expectations on him to perform well but in any capacity it is always special to see what is in store uh, when he hits the ice so um, it's it's just been it's been fascinating to follow.
2: I don't know if you saw the last dance but there's a there's a famous meme now of Michael Jordan holding the iPad and saying I took that personally and I wonder if Connor McDavid having people talk about Austin Matthews and who's winning the Hart trophy and where he ranks in that uh, maybe kind of sort of took some of that personal and is now taking it out on uh, the Kings and the Flames. Maybe maybe
11: not a bad just theory to, at all. Just not throwing a it bad out there yes. uh,
2: Jen always appreciate you joining us and I love the wood paneling it takes me back to the old school.
11: <laughs> Thanks Tim. Thanks <laughs> for having me.
2: There is Jen Botterill. Uh, she will be part of our coverage here on Sportsnet and CBC on the other side. It's Friday. And there's a golf major going on. That's right. So thank golf, it's Friday with Jesse Rubinoff. You got highlights for us, Jesse?
3: I do. Round two of the PGA, baby. Let's see how Tiger's doing.
2: Let's go to Southern Hills with Jesse Rubinoff. Next. Baby. (laughs) Four hours away from puck drop game two, Battle of Alberta. Who knows what to expect after that wild game one. One thing is for sure, after the Flames set an NHL playoff record with two goals in the first 51 seconds of game number one, the Edmonton Oilers absolutely need a better start. But that just might be easier said than done. Slow starts have been a problem for Edmonton all season long. The Oil have allowed the first goal in 49 of their 82 regular season games, which ranked 30th in the league, and it was slow starts that almost cost the Oilers against the Kings in the first round. Game four, Kings outshot the Oil 20-10 in the first period. They led 2-0 after one. Game five happened again. LA outshot Edmonton 16-5, led 1-0. Oilers lost both of those games, 0-4 when they allow the first goal, 4-0 when they score it. Make matters worse, in this series, the Flames led the NHL by scoring first 54 times in the regular season. As for the playoffs, now unbeaten in the second season when scoring first, a perfect 3-0 when they get that first goal. The Oilers know they got to start quicker.
4: Obviously the start, but
3: uh, that kind of goes hand in hand with what we're doing out there. So uh, I think, you
1: know, we're always at our best when we're playing with speed and we're uh, sticking to our team structure. So. Try to look to do a better job of that tonight, especially at the start. We're counting on a response
3: and counting on being on our toes right off the bat.
1: Coach seems serious
2: there.
3: Yeah. Well he's down one nothing, that's we know what are you gonna do?
2: Deliver that with a little bit of oomph
3: though. Yeah. It's not usual to hear that from him either. Like, no. That came from the from the like you always tell me you gotta, from the chest. gotta come from the soul.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh, it is that time of the week.
2: Thank golf. What's, it's uh, OK, Jesse.
3: Okay, I was just, for a second, it took me a second there. Coming from somewhere
2: else? Never mind.
3: Uh, okay, well, look at us. It's the second major of the year. PGA Championship down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tiger Woods, who we all care deeply about, at least I do. Uh, first round, 74. was, that? Eh, not great, uh, but big names were up there on the yeah. leaderboard. Rory McIlroy, 5-under-65 to lead the way after round one. Why don't we take a look at the second round? Huh? That's enough of me talking. Another big name, Justin Thomas, JT, starting on the back nine, par five fifth, And that is a deep birdie putt, finds the bottom of the cup and moves him to a share of the lead, par-4-9. JT at it again, buries his fourth birdie of the day, shoots a 3-under-67, leads at 6-under. After the morning session, there's Bones. He's got Bones on the back, Phil's old caddy. Part four second, round one leader, Rory McElroy. Awkward chip with his third shot. Runs it past the hole and off the green. Looks like me and Tim. Are you, you all right? No, Are you I'm good? not. I'm, I'm somewhat good
2: around the green, Mediocre. but I would do that regularly. Yeah,
3: of course, of course. He drops it at four under. Here's Tiger trying to make the cut. Starting the day at four over. Part five, fifth. Oh, that, oh, boy. that is gorgeous. Oh, Vintage. Boy. Vintage. Vintage, sets up a birdie. Moves to three over, one shot. Under the projected cut line, par three eighth. Woods in some trouble with his second shot. Uh, Doesn't quite get the chip onto the green, leads to bogey back to four over. I mean, he's gotta have the magic if he's gonna really compete here. And that was not it. Par four tenth, Woods. A buck 36 to the hole. Oh, that is nasty. Spins the approach shot back underneath the hole. Gives himself an uphill putt, picks up his second birdie, gets back to three over, but on the next hole, Tiger in a tough spot after missing the green off the tee. Uh, Can't get the chip to stop on the green, ends up in the sand. A lot of people complaining about the sand a lot of players uh, this week. Not enough sand in the bunkers. Uh, Two shots later to save bogey, not great. That is a double bogey, puts him outside the cut line at five over. He has since birdied and finds himself directly on The cut line right there at four over, as it stands. But Willie Z, who I sprinkled on a little bit uh, before the tourney. Good for you. What they say about our man Willie Z, one of the best ball strikers on tour, can't figure out the putting, but you know, you put put it together for one week. It's all takes. And he's got himself atop the leaderboard now.
2: They say uh, at the PGA especially, and I find these stats really weird because they play the PGA at different courses. Yeah. But they'll say if you have uh, a share of the lead through two with the PGA it means something here. But I, I find that hard to call it a super stat when you're playing at different courses. Well, it's really if it was interesting. the same course every time, yeah. I would say well, maybe it's hard to make up ground. But I think
3: there's something there because uh, the PGA is such a big field. It's a bigger, way bigger field than right. the Masters, right? So right. you get a lot of guys who might have got hot the first two rounds that don't necessarily have the pedigree yeah. and they sort of fall off as you get towards the weekend. So you might have a better shot if you find yourself near the top of the leaderboard at the end of the weekend. Uh, is Tyrrell Hatton around that leaderboard I, I, I haven't seen him, but, uh, I mean, if if he was playing poorly, he probably would have freaked out by now and it would have made for a highlight and probably would have been in the highlight pack. So yeah. maybe he's... he's, 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 he's oh, oh he's
2: right there. Yeah. Yeah. He's right there, okay. and uh, can we just call him Tyrell? Like, the guy's name is Tyrell. Yeah, not fan. I mean, just because it's English, he's like, oh, yeah. my name's Tyrell. Tyrell, yeah. Come on, man, your name's Tyrell. Very, Get out of very here. golf, very golf. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Snobby English, just like yeah. Buck Showalter. Um, <laughs> so, there one, th- like, I, I hope Tiger makes the cut. Mm-hmm. I'm very scared, and he had a better round. This time? Is having, yeah. He is having a better, better round this for time. Now. Yeah, maybe Hopefully, not Hopefully, a knock on wood. Please, yeah, thank you. I'm not going to watch him on the weekend. Thank you. We all want to watch yeah. him on the weekend. But what I don't want to watch is, and I'm very scared of this, is the same sort of work ethic that made him great, causing him to hang on. Because as I was watching him do his post-round press conference mm-hmm. yesterday, and he was talking about everything that hurts him, and he seemed almost like, downtrodden scene yeah and it felt like dear god are we gonna be stuck watching him play all four majors every year trying to get another major under the belt and him not being able to compete and then seeing like kind of the uh, the mystique of Tiger die before our eyes and I thought we were gonna get there after one round I honestly was in this spot where I was like oh dear god And I've seen it with some great stars in the past, right? Like, we've got Mm -hmm. one of my favorite athletes of all time, Jerry Rice. Yeah. And he had this ridiculous work ethic that was legendary. And it made him think that he could keep doing it. And he did. 40. I think he had a a 1,000-yard season at 40. And then he hung on for 41. 42 and it just wasn't the same it's a legitimate
3: concern because as you said you hear him talk it's like oh i gotta do an ice bath I gotta massage to figure out a way to get rid of the inflammation and there's a reason he's only looks like he's only gonna play in the majors this year it's because he's old he's got all these injuries and to your point it takes a heck of a lot to get him ready to rebound and, and do it four straight days if he makes the cut, so.
2: I, I hope that it isn't what I thought it might be and I think today's round, if he can finish it off. off a, bit of a, my, yeah, sigh a little bit of a deep breath okay. here. Uh, we've been talking a lot about Canadian baseball with Joey Votto in town in Toronto playing against the Jays. Well, another Canadian legend, Fergie Jenkins, was honored at Wrigley. They unveiled the statue of Ferguson Jenkins. Out in front of Wrigley Field, so cool. From Chatham, Ontario, first Canadian inducted to the Hall of Fame back in 1991. Still looking good. The 71 Cy Young Award winner in style wearing that Cubby's blue jacket. Uh, as for the game, top three tied at two, Josh Rojas takes a 2-2 pitch deep and gone. Made it 3-2 Diamondbacks, now 4-3. Here's Rojas again. Love, peace, and hair grease, kids. Not that I know anything about any of that. Two he run blast. You did. I did, back in the day. Yeah. Second of the game, 6 3. Are you kidding me? Rojas! Hat trick, baby! Three home runs and three consecutive at bats when they're honoring a Canadian. 11 combined home runs in the game. Diamondbacks win 10 6, so maybe they've gotten rid of the dead ball era. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I, I also was
3: thinking I can't do the Rojas. I can't roll the tongue like that. I can't do the Rojas thing that you just did. Yes. But ro- Rojas. Can't do it. Can't do it. It's a talent. Don't There's, don't pretend like it's not. It's a talent. It's not
2: a talent. It's not I that can't hard do it. Do I,
3: I bet you 50% of people
2: can't do it. All right. A can't reminder Blue Jays Central about to get going over on Sportsnet One. Sebi? <laughs> <Savvy, laughs> we'll can you roll it your back. time? Can't
3: do it. There you go. That's You two can do it. No, Sebi or Sebi? Can't do it. Can't do it. Rojas. Come on.
2: Rojas. Lean into it. <laughs> It's just like placata. Actually, you gotta, you gotta say it, it with confidence. My, no, I,
3: no, I am trying. It's completely different than placata. Placata. That, that is completely different. This is a rolling of the tongue. Rojas. Rojo.
2: Rojas was seeing rojo. Still counting down to the Battle of Alberta here on Tim and Friends. And most of the hockey world knew the Oilers were taking on the top team in the Pacific with Leon Drysaddle at less than 100%. But it's also become pretty clear that Darnell Nurse isn't close to 100% either. After averaging over 25 minutes a game in the regular season, that number went down to about 21.5 in round one. And just 18.08 in game one of the Battle of Alberta when his team gave up. Nine. Frank Saravelli told us yesterday that his sources suggested that it was a core muscle injury and he reported that the injury may require off-season surgery. Top ten among D-men in hits in the regular season, Nurse has just three total hits in his last four games. The focus on Nurse comes as he was named a finalist for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy given to the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice humanitarian contribution in his community. Good dude on and off the ice. Here's hoping that he is getting better and not worse as these playoffs roll on. Jay Woodcroft earlier today on Nurses Health. Darnell's a healthy and available player to us and you talk about someone with a
5: champion's mindset, a true warrior, that's Darnell Nurse.
3: So if he's healthy then, do you need to play him closer to the minutes you played him out in the regular season?
2: potentially all right one thing we work hard on here at tim and friends is staying away from the biases unless it's olympic hockey then screw them as such when we stumble upon something like the battle of alberta we try our best to service each one of the markets and that means we welcome in two of the friends from the cities that are now foes i present to you mark specter and eric francis gentlemen are you buying any of this
4: I'll go first. Uh, <laughs> not, don't, don't believe a word Jay said. Uh, you know what, if you just watched those highlights, you saw him, You saw Michael Backlund wheel into the slot and push Nurse aside. You saw Darnell Nurse stand for about three seconds next to Matthew Kachuk and not put a finger on him, which is, I think that that, that violates the, uh, the Battle of Alberta Accord, not to get a stick on Kachuk every chance you get. So you know, right there, look at Backlund, he just pushed him aside. So, no, this is a big, strong, tough guy who is not playing with any physicality whatsoever that tells you he's hurt. How do they make up for it, Francis? How do the Oilers make up?
2: Yeah. Uh,
9: well, you know, by committee, I mean, we just watched Calgary all season long. Everybody said, how are they going to make up for uh, the loss of Mark Giordano? And they were 10 times better core than they were last year without Mark Giordano. So, it can be done, but. Uh, You know, the depth of that Oilers blue line has always been questionable for the last handful of years, or if, if not longer. So it's going to be a tough task. And that partially will probably explain to you why the Calgary Flames got nine goals the other night. And I'm not saying that's going to happen again. But with the defensive core that the Oilers have and when your best guy is really banged up like that, Uh, you know it wouldn't shock me if they got six or seven more anytime soon
2: Mark I know you were talking about the Oilers physicality in the uh, in the morning news conferences and the Oilers had nine skaters who did not have one hit I think if you counted up the hits on Gaudreau Lindholm uh, some of the stars on this Flames team they weren't hit a lot do you think Edmonton has to play that way in order to even this up because let's be honest Calgary dominated game one even if the Oilers got it to 6-6.
4: Yeah, they have – listen, this can't be about fights. Calgary's bigger and tougher, okay? They got more guys in better positions. Like, you know, their toughest guys are their third and fourth – or their, their third defensive pairing, which is what you want. Lucic is a fourth-line player, and he's tough. Eminem, it's guys like Kane. It's guys like Nurse, who's not going to fight anybody. So it's exactly what Evander Kane said. Uh, they need to lean on Lindholm, Goodrow, you know, Kachuk can take care of himself, but they need to, the same way we watched Connor McDavid get a face full of glove and Cheats sent him flying in there, uh, the Edmonton Oilers need to do the same thing to the Flames. You can't It can't be a one-way street on that side, boys, not in the playoffs.
2: Is that the beauty of this Calgary team, Eric, is that they're built to win it any which way you want, like they can play all of yeah. those games?
4: Yeah,
9: I mean, isn't it amazing? They win 9-6, and in uh, and the previous meeting they played the Oilers, they got 9 as well. And all they said after the game was that they 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 weren't happy with their performance. That they've got to be a whole lot better. I mean, that's that 9-6 game tells me that the Calgary Flames can play it any which way you want. I really believe that. I mean, they were the third stingiest team. They almost won the Jennings trophy this year, uh, third stingiest team in the National Hockey League. So they're built around playing good, solid, you know, hockey in their own zone and protecting their goal Obviously, they have a pretty good goalie. Uh, but you know. They also, I think, finished sixth in the league in goals four. so they can beat you any way you want. But the toughness is a factor that—that's a Daryl Sutter trait. You know, he went out and signed or got, you know, helped them get Zadorov and Goodbranson this year. Traded for uh, Zadorov, acquired Goodbranson, and the whole city went, "Oh my gosh, is this going to be a long year for the Calgary Flames?" <laughs> well, they're the face—they're the face yeah. of the team in a lot of ways, and you know, them with Lucic and and uh, and Ritchie, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. You know, Evander Kane sure was shooting his mouth off today about toughness and, and kind of talking to talk, but uh, let's see if he walks the walk. He's really one of the only guys who can, you know, kind of push back uh, on this Oilers team. You know, Zach Cassian has kind of been irrelevant for several years now, and, he, you know, I don't think he's really much of a factor anymore either. Calgary Flames don't care which way the Oilers want to play it, they're happy to play it.
2: Don't you think that could distract Kane, though, Spectre?
4: That could distract Kane? Yeah. Uh listen if, if evander kane's supposed to be their first or second line left winger here if he's in the penalty box and out there fighting all the time of course yeah you know, and i don't think that would be the case but from uh, you know it looks like dryside will play next to mcdavid on the left side tonight but for the last 35 games it's been kane playing with mcdavid and with that role comes the responsibility of stepping in and listen evander kane uh you know he's tough right you'll remember him fighting ryan reeves uh, he's fought good branson right? He's fought lots of guys that are 20, 25 pounds bigger than him. So if it happens, it happens. I don't question Evander Kane's willingness to stand up to anybody. Uh, He gives up a lot fighting Milan Lucic, but he's fought. He's, like I said, he stood up to Ryan Reeves, who's even bigger. Uh, But I would say to you that if this thing turns into a fight fest, Calgary's far more armed for it. They're a far bigger team, a far tougher team. It's that's not what the orders want to do here, boys. No, make no mistake of that. All right, I was
2: leafing through some of the blogs, and I was leafing through uh, some of the, uh, the writings earlier today, and uh, Specter Warren Fogle's name came up a lot, and I know we're not getting much from either one of these coaches when it comes to lineups, and we're going to have to steal game sheets to figure out what they're doing.
4: But do you, do you expect any changes here? He might come in tonight. He's a big guy that can skate fast. Uh, his hands aren't great, but he's a fourth line left winger, right? He's kind of he's kind of Brett, you know, in the same vein as a Brett Ritchie, I would say, Eric. Uh, he, he makes you, you know, he makes you bigger. And if they think that they need to be bigger, he should come in. Um, you know, who are you taking out in this place? Probably a defenseman like Chris Russell, if you go with just six defensemen. I'm not sure how Yessi Pujarvi stays in this lineup. I'm not sure what he's doing for the Edmonton Oilers at all. But uh, he'll be in there, you know, trying to find his game. But, yeah, you might see Fogle tonight. It's not exactly a game-changer, boys. But he's a big, strong guy that can get in the forecheck, maybe bang something around. Sure. Let me follow up one more time on that. So, the seven defensemen that they've been
2: going with, if you take the defenseman out, then Darnell Nurse has to play more. Like, has that been kind of the cover, is getting the 7D out there and that kind of covers Nurse?
4: He you know in theory that's what they'd like to do right. when nurse was hurt at the end of the year they played seven guys because they had 25 minutes they had to spread out so they spread it out over more guys right when nurse is in they'll go with six but it's a whole new ball game when you got this darnell nurse in there all right francis i know you guys have had some fun you've had some uh,
2: some back and forth with the jolly rancher who isn't so jolly at times um how much how much credit i mean listen Last year, the Flames were watching the playoffs and now they look like they're in a real good spot to advance to a conference final. Obviously, they have to finish. But how much credit does Sutter deserve for getting this team to be able to play all the ways that we talked about? Most
9: of it. I mean, you look at this roster and it's been very similar over the last four or five years. And, you know, that's always kind of been the criticism. This team, what, three years ago, won the conference in the regular season and then fizzled out in the playoffs. And everybody said the core needed to be changed. You, know, God, you gotta make major changes. You know, they stuck with the same core and it, it was just, they just needed a taskmaster to come in and, and demand accountability. But most importantly, add structure. And uh, Sutter uses that term probably every time he speaks to us and talks about how no matter what happens, we need to stay with our structure. That's our basis for success. If we stray from that, we're in trouble and uh, but you know these players are playing to their capabilities right now all six defensemen nine players in that lineup so basically half your lineup had career years this year uh, i put a lot of that on the coach uh, he's brought in a whole new mindset uh it might not be fun to be a calgary flame right now because he's so hard on the players but it sure is rewarding to see all these wins
2: fun in the news conference Beck.
4: oh daryl said uh for sure you know especially if you want to talk farming right right you want to talk farming man that's the guy right there
2: (laughs) that is the guy right there all right a minute left so 30 seconds each start with spec Uh, what are the keys to game two tonight
4: they have to the Edmonton Oilers under Jay Woodcroft became a team that could win a 2-1 game down the stretch in a tough building at a hard time right they could limit enough chances they won game seven in their own building to nothing They need to be the team that limits chances. It's not about scoring. Eminent can score. Don't worry about that, right? They got to figure out how to play defense tonight against this Calgary team. 18 goals against the last two games against Calgary. Ain't going to cut it in this series, boy.
2: Uh, Mike Smith has bounced back from losses, 2-1 after a loss in this postseason and been pretty good in two of those three. Uh, Francis, what is your keys to game two? You
9: got to limit, you got to limit McDavid. It's, it's simple. That's the whole game plan. If you ask me, I'm just going to stay in your structure. You got to get, get off to a good start. Calgary Flames are really good at both of those things. But, you know, Connie McDavid's numbers against the Calgary Flames are astronomical, have been his whole career. They're just through the roof. And he really thrives under this situation. He, he likes the pressure. He loves the noise of the crowd. He loves the Battle of Alberta. He had four points the other night. Not many people were talking about it. As Sutter said, if he gets four points every game, We'll wish him good luck in the next round. So they've just got to somehow, as a team, because you can't put a player on them, as a team, limit Connor McDavid. He's really the biggest and one of the only ways, I think, that they can beat the Calgary Flames.
2: It's unbelievable what he's doing, especially with dry saddle, less yeah. than 100%, 18 points in eight games, six more than anyone else. Gentlemen, appreciate you both doing this, uh, and hopefully we'll do we'll do it down the road because this is the Battle of Alberta. Enjoy, fellas. All right. Enjoy the game. Uh, there is Eric Francis, Mark Spector, getting you set for Game Two, Battle of Alberta tonight. Quick start needed from those Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. We'll take one last break. We'll get the last call with Rubenoff. One last look at our week that was. It's Friday, Jesse. And isn't uh, the...
3: it? TF predicts still number one. Just saying. What?
2: Yeah. Thanks. Nice. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. And when we tried to give away this I am a friend hoodie in game one of Al, uh, the Battle of Alberta, we didn't think it was going to be that hard. The hashtag TF predict, Tim and Friends predict, hashtag TF predict. We just asked people for the score in game one. We would pick one who had the correct score in game one and give them one of these hoodies. And uh, nobody got it. The game ended 9-6. Nobody got it because it was a 9-6 game. So, Jesse, we were trending number one in Canada on the day of game one. What's going on right now?
3: We're trending number one in Canada again. That's crazy. Yeah, let's go. The people want the hoodie. We got to get a lot
2: more, I think. We're ahead of flames for a school, ahead of long, long weekend. weekend. Ahead of long weekend is I very read impressive, that I have box thing, I'll tell you that. Monkey, much. Uh, Matilda. Matilda's well, still bee day. Up there. Bees are important. Did you know that? Bees. Yeah. For the ecosystem. Of course. Yes. Yeah.
3: Critically important. Uh, John, John writes in, says, Hashtag uh, TF predicts flames. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> flames win 5-3. The three. ecosystem. You really want a sweater. I'm your biggest fan. Uh, awesome. Well, I appreciate that, yeah. John. Yeah. Good luck to you, John. Yeah. It's 5-3 uh, flames for you. Matt, 4-2 Oilers. They tighten it up a bit.
2: Over and under still six and a half. Hey, eh? does that surprise you that the over and under is at six Incredibly and a half surprising. after 15 goals? Not third? only that, it's the, the whole season. These games have been high scoring between these two teams. Well, the postseason there have been a lot of overs. It's Trust to me on that
3: one. Uh, Kyle's Kyler, sorry, says six three Oilers wearing the lucky 06 Cup jersey before work. Hashtag TF predicts. This what sucks about. Sorry. Go no, no. Go with Mark. Mark says three two Oilers tonight. That's not He's a got guess. A blue
2: check mark too. It's a spoiler. Oh, I. Love like that oh, yeah. confidence right there. <laughs> Swag. I hate the fact that Calgary fans, Edmonton fans, have only, and a generation, entire generation, have only a cup final run to talk about. Yeah. Like there's, we have to have, remember I had the summit for Canadian hockey? Yeah. to have the summit for Canadian professional hockey. Yeah. That was the ridic- Olympic summit. It's yeah. ridiculous yeah. that a team from Canada hasn't won in this. Everyone says, oh, I cheer for the teams with a lot of Canadians on, boldly. Yeah. Not the same, sorry. No, it's not, not the same. Look what they're doing. By the way, uh, Red Spot closed for tonight and game three. But they will host a watch party at the Saddledome, so if you're watching us right now and you were hoping to get down to the red spot and you didn't know, it is closed for games mm-hmm. two and three, though they will hold a party that you will need at the Saddledome, a ticket for it. it. was a weather issue, right? Yeah. Awesome. Had a lot of problems in the last little while. Apparently it's going to be minus one tonight in Calgary. Right? What
3: is going on? It was snowing in Denver last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, get your predictions in, hashtag TFPredict, right up until puck drop. Awesome. And then Best of luck to you. Uh, okay, Brady Kachuk, who was one of the surprise stars of game one between the Oilers and Flames, which is unusual. Uh, today, Budweiser Canada tweeted, after his epic performance in game one, Budweiser has officially signed Brady Kachuk. Uh, Timmy, what's your dream endorsement, if you have one? Uh, uh, dream endorsement is tough. Yeah, That's I've, a hard question. A lot, for I mean,
2: immediately you go like Porsche, uh, Lamborghini, uh, some sort Bentley, of... Bentley
3: uh, like Kenny Smith.
2: Yeah, Bentley like Kenny Smith. Um... But, like... Why did Matt Taylor, he just threw, he whispered Lego in my ear. Why would I want to do a deal with Lego, man? What? Yeah. Hairwigs. built my own cities. What?
3: Hairwig store franchises. Stores. What are you saying? Nothing. I, no. You going to
2: Maury's here? <laughs> Is that what you're doing? We're going to Maury's? Just for men. You don't want to happen to in the end, eh? What? Watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's go to game two of the NBA's Western Conference Finals. I think I think
3: mine would probably be Nike's
2: yeah, I think, I think the Jordans were yeah, where I was going to go before I heard Lego, was just Lego you off,
3: yeah, big time. <laughs> Golden State in easily won no game offense, one. Uh, 112-87, holding Luka Doncic Lego. to a postseason low, 20 points in the game. How do you think Luka is going to bounce back tonight?
2: You guys should have a deal with Nike, right, at this point? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, the shoes, yeah. Luka's got the you. killer in him. you and I know. I just wonder if Golden State's experience will nullify the killer in Luka because in the end, you're going to need help. Yeah. And Jalen Brunson struggled in game one. Maybe he can add a little bit more in game two. But what, what strikes me the most is Andrew Wiggins did a job on Luka, and other guys didn't even have to score all that much. Yeah. For them to run the way they ran, and that scares me for Luca and the Mavs. Though I have been scared before.
3: Well, if you throw Wiggins on Luca and he does a, a good job, then you got Draymond freed up to take care of Jalen Brunson. Then where are you scoring if
2: you're the Mavs? Right. And that's that's why depth matters. Even though people in the states, as we mentioned earlier, yeah. don't exactly look at it. All about the stars. Yeah. Depth matters. Having a guy like Wiggins work that hard defensively allows They're others. They're very, very
0: good. They're-
2: uh, that does it for us. Uh, if you're having a long weekend, please enjoy it, my friends. We'll be back here on Monday to break down the weekend. But as we leave you, as we always do on Friday, Jesse, we sit back, we relax, and we look back at the week that was in the world of sports and Tim and Friends. Because it's Friday, then it's Saturday, Saturday Sunday.
1: It's Friday, then it's Saturday, Sunday,
2: It's
10: Friday, then it's Saturday, Sunday, One. And again, and again, and again, and again. I crush you. There
0: you go. I, cru- <laughs> I crush you. Jen. I crush you. Hello and welcome to Tim and Friends with no Tim McAuliffe. Don't worry, Timmy is fine. He just didn't realize that taking Tuesday off didn't mean it's a long weekend. I'm Arash Madani. Caleb, that was great stuff. Appreciate the visit. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Tim. Well, my name's Arash. Sorry. I- <laughs> can't win them all.
2: <laughs> when myself and Sid Sixero first got a television show back in 2004, 20 years ago, or something. I like the word. Uh, <laughs> I missed on purpose, I'm getting in trouble. You want me to hit on purpose? No, it was close, it was close right. for your left hand. I'm
3: impressed, I'm, I'm left-handed. Left ar- oh yeah, right? <laughs> got it, goalie, nice still dude. got it.
10: I am Goldberg!
3: You posted this on Instagram not too long ago, That we read it, you know that one? And that's what you're doing? We, yeah, because I'm, I'm so jacked for the Battle of Auburn. We read it for y'all. Do, 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 do. We read it. We read it. We, we read it. Oh, watch this. <laughs> it's on the dance. Oh, no. <laughs>
2: Let me tell you something. That looks like a ride, Mr. Smith. It starts with a B, and it's convertible. It's like oh, music. no, he's not we doing it. He's not doing it. We, we got to do, do
4: one stunt. We got to do one stunt.
2: <laughs> I know what's going we on here.
4: One stunt, baby. It's coming
2: up, baby. Uh, oh, look at so that. Well. Tuck it in. Yeah. Take care of life, it itself. Life is good. Life is good. Uh, hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. You enjoy life that. You see me rolling.
0: They hate him patrolling
2: and trying to catch me riding. Dirt. At Tim and Friends, let us know the greatest nice. daytime television show of all time. I got one already. Jerry Springer. Yeah, short
3: Jerry, later. Jerry, 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 Jerry. Jerry, 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 Jerry. It because like, Sid's nickname for me is Jerry. Jerry, 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 Jerry. Jerry, Jerry. Jerry, Jerry. Jerry, Jerry.
2: absolutely, positively know that that's going to end up at the end of week. <laughs> Saw it when we do the, it's Friday then. You were correct. It's fact.
3: You're just doing the producing for
2: them. <laughs> you're telling them what to do. No, I'm not telling them what to do. I just knew and I was uh, letting you go out there on your own. You're right again. Ladies and gentlemen,
10: the weekend. <laughs>